Talk to me, Joey. Just get up a yard. Great job. Thank you. All right. Okay, episode four of the Talk Caddies podcast, and it's a Masters special, and we have three caddies on this week. We have Ian Finnis, uh, Finno, who caddies for Tommy Fleetwood, Jonathan Smart, Smarty, who caddied for Danny Willett to win the Masters in 2016, and we have Chris Rice, Ricey, who currently caddies for Emiliano Grillo, uh, previously with Tyrrell Hatton, uh, who's, who's been to the Masters twice. So we're picking their brains on what it's exactly like to be a caddy at Augusta and all those different shots and difficulties that come with that. So here we go. Talk to me, Joey. Just get up a yard. Great job. Thank you. All right. But we'll start with Smarty. So what I kind of wanted to know is on that. You're walking off 15th green. I want to see come through your head as a caddy walking off that 15th green. Most all of us know the story, but from what happened with you? Um, I, to be honest, it was walking off, and then um, we we had no idea until everyone. It was more the crowd that gave it away. Um, but then obviously all day, you've not really um, really worried about anything. You're trying to crack on and do your job and then all of a sudden you're thrown properly in the deep end and all of a sudden everything changes dramatically um but you just got to kind of try and do the same thing but you can't you can't deny that all those thoughts are winning and whatever might be going on and um i remember on the 17th on the 17th i checked the sprinkler three times because i thought i got it wrong i was like this is not the time to get the wrong number but I have to check it three times. So there's there's things that happen that don't happen when you're not under pressure or under the gun. But some of the things um, compared to normal and kind of Thursday morning or whatever, you know, you, you, things start any, getting a bit quicker. Was there any particular shot? You mentioned 17. Was there any particular shot that you thought you were your head went straight to, like, I need to get this one right? Is it the second into 17 or what, was it something else? Everyone, um, you know, like you, you can't, at, at that point, you, mistakes are going to be uh, are going to be massive. So you just, just try and keep things simple and, and keep doing the same things. But it's easier said than done when you're under that much pressure. But uh, yeah, it um, just I don't know. Sixteen was pretty simple. It was we, we walked up to a good number and we got lucky. We got a good number. Um, so from my standpoint of my job it was, it was pretty simple but 17 I just remember we were just we have to move around the trees and I don't know why I, I luckily Dan didn't see but I had to check the sprinkler three times um, and I just remember everything starting to go a little bit quicker and um, and stuff so that that was the one that really stuck in my head with, that was you know you started start getting a bit away. what's that do you remember that yardage now? Yeah, it was. Un- it, well, I remember the sprinkler was 154 yards to the front, which he I should remember if I checked it three times. He hit it over the back, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. Well, that he was his or just one of those things? 
uh, that would be a pretty good shot. Just kind of turned it over a little bit much, and uh, a little bit too much, and kind of hit the green and just ran off the back. And kind of, and were there any kind of conversations between you two, not about the particular shots, but what were you chatting about walking down the fairways and stuff? At nothing, yeah. I don't think you got time. No. And I don't. I don't think you want to start getting distracted by stuff. But that was that was just Dan. That was kind of how we dealt with stuff whenever we were in contention. We just kind of did his job, and that was it. Um, other players, you might want to be chatting, and other you know caddies and player relationships would probably be different. Um, but for us, we were. Yeah, I mean, it was golf shot, get to the next, do this thing. Awesome. And I'll bring the other, bring the other boys in here. Like, uh, Finno, I'm, the first thing to say to you was uh, passed on from all the other caddies. Uh, it's passed on from a load of the caddies is to say thanks for the stuff you're doing with the bibs and everything. And the thing I noticed was on your, on your, on the, the GoFundMe that you created about mentioning how when you started off, it was difficult for you. Um, and that was kind of the reason for doing it. And I kind of was interested in, especially talking about the Masters, which is somewhere where you've got to a certain level, almost the pinnacle of the game, if you're playing in the Masters, right? But you kind of still remember uh, wh where you came from, the way you started out. I don't know if you could kind of just talk about why you set that up, basically. Um... Basically, it's because, as you said, when we started originally, me and Tommy, obviously Tommy was struggling, everyone knows. And then I obviously had a little baby at the time, which I put on the um, bio, obviously. And um, it was just tough times. I really enjoyed the caddies still, but obviously I still got to support my family, pay mortgages. And I've been, I just, it played on my mind for the last couple of weeks, thinking I wonder how the people are going to... People struggle sometimes week to week, let alone without working. So maybe having possibly four or five months off, I was actually thinking, imagine I had two kids, which I have now, and I wondered how I'd survive. So just thought, and it was easy. We were talking, me and Smarty actually spoke about doing it for the NHS and other things. And it, it did, I want to help everyone, but I just thought I'd help people that have basically helped me when I've been caddying since I've, I've only really been doing it four years now, but I feel like give something back, it would be a little bit more appreciated. Obviously, the NHS is doing an amazing job at the moment, and a lot of people are helping them. And I, I'd love to be able to, you just can't help everyone. I just thought, pe try and help your owner, really. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, well, I think I'm, I'm just passing on messages from, from all the other guys who are super appreciative and, uh, and thank all of you boys for what you're doing. Um, and I kind of wanted, to, on that note of noticing, um, like where you come from and remembering struggling, what was the kind of, was there any specific moment? when you got to the Masters or Augusta for the first time, we thought, geez, love, do you remember I was here and now I'm kind of here? Do you know not, the first, not as much the first time. I'd say, I know they're going to laugh now, but it was a bit surreal when we played with Tiger Woods the first time. And not many people, because they know, everyone who knows me knows how much I love me golf. There's not many people who are really like starstruck with or... But when, you, when we played Tiger's comeback in 2018, we played first. Tommy played the first two rounds with him for Mark Leishman. That first tee was, I stood there thinking, this is completely and utterly fucking nuts. Because it was literally. <laughs> I remember, like, I don't really get nervous because I'm not hitting the shot. I get, like, it gave me like a massive adrenaline rush. And people say about the Ryder Cup, which was amazing. But that first tee, the Masters, for me, was like, wow, this is like big time now. It's not like it's. All you could see was fairway and people. And people's, I mean, the whole way down the hole, all the way to the end. And then 
Tiger taps in, Tommy, and then everyone got off and left Tommy the push out. <laughs> right, see, is that something you kind of you kind of noticed when? Well, maybe the first time you were there, or just that kind of moment. Is there any moment you kind kind of think of and you thought, "Geez." Um, I mean, I think the first time I ever went there was in 2017. I think it was obviously Finno's first time as well. And obviously I've grew up with Finno since I was a kid and we played a lot of golf together. And I think for me, like walking, like obviously watching it on TV since you were a kid, I think walking the golf course with Finno when there wasn't really many people out there on the Sunday to sort of be able to take it all in and think, wow, this is actually happening. Um, and obviously it was good to, to be able to do it with him, obviously, because we grew up together and stuff. So I think that was, I think once the tournament starts, you're just basically in tournament mode. So you can't really, you can't really appreciate it as much. But I think for me on that first Sunday before the event was, was like, this is, this is really happening. You you sort of wait, you've waited so long for it. And then when there's no one there, it's, it was good. I think that was the moment for me. Right, see. I do remember a funny story though that day. You were, I remember. Here we go. Here we go. We're on the 13th green and we're just chatting and we're like taking it all in. It was amazing. First time we just walked and we'd never, two lads from Brutal, obviously, were at the Rap Masters. And all of a sudden on this big scoreboard, they came up, tornado warning. Please, everyone exit the course immediately. Do not stop. There wasn't that many people, there was a few people knocking around. This guy comes up to us on the green. Excuse me, good boys. There's a tornado one, everyone's got to leave the court. <laughs> and, you, and you said to him, fuck that, mate. I've been waiting 25 years to come here. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't think you have to be a green jacket guy like that. <laughs> I'm carrying on. Oh, we, we, kind of, we kind of just like, I don't know, obviously you've known each other since you were kids. Did it kind of, I don't know, were you looking at each other like giggling like kids that you kind of, you were just at Augusta walking the fairways kind of with just, the pair of you, I see. Oh, I mean, as I say, yeah, it was it was surreal, really. And again, we got we got on the 18th. We got on the 18th, and there was a <laughs> there was a big scoreboard behind that said uh, no no pictures, no mobile phones. <laughs> and, and Finno was literally in front of the clubhouse on the back of the 18th green. <laughs> goes, I don't give a shit, and just literally <laughs> took a selfie of me and him on the 18th. Like, you know. It's like Sunday before the Masters, like our first time here, and we're just going to get into shit already. He's like, I don't give a shit. Um, but obviously, the moment you don't, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> they're the moments that you sort of you sort of cherish. Obviously, as I say, it was it was such a nice feeling to be able to go out there with him for the first time before there was anyone out there. And as I say, we we grew up we grew up on a municipal golf course and. You obviously you watch it every year since you were a kid and you just always dream about going there and then to actually share it with one of your best mates is, was was a great feeling. That's class. And and Smarty, would it be something similar for you when you first started the first time you were there or is there anything you can particularly remember? hundred uh, percent. I mean what was the first time I actually went me and Dan went in two thousand and fifteen and we went two weeks before the event and you just can't believe how different it is to when you're just playing when there's no crowds and all of a sudden when there's crowds and what you're used to seeing on TV. And the first time we went, it was just ridiculous. I mean, you know, I'm sure Ricey and Finno are the same. You've watched it for God knows how many years on TV and then all of a sudden you turn up 
yourself and it's just it's ridiculous but then when the tournament starts and crowds are letting it's just a completely different place um and you just don't like when the crowd you know when people are making birdies the sound and stuff you just don't get anything like that really at many other events um so it's just ridiculous yeah it's ridiculous i don't think i've ever walked down that 11th hole and not had goosebumps when you're looking down on that 12th green and everything it's yeah it's just it's kind of golf. It's what everyone knows golf as, other than St. Andrews and stuff. Yeah. And is there, as it, for a caddy, is there anything that kind of stands out to you? I know people mention how hilly it is when you get there, and it's a bit of a slog walking around it. Would you say that, Finno? Yeah, it's definitely a slog. But um, I remember there's some hills that really catch you out as a caddy. When There's not many that catch me out, but the first hole... 100 yards off the tee and it's literally straight uphill and you're like wow you're meant to be enjoying this walk it's going to be a nightmare <laughs> I remember actually yeah, playing the first practice so round ever with uh, Lee Westwood and Paul Casey and um, we're walking off the tee and Billy Foster says to me welcome to the worst walking golf <laughs> up the first hill the first hill is just a backbreaker for caddies honestly it's, it's surprisingly it doesn't, the TV does not do it anywhere near justice it doesn't even do it. Not even close. And are there any particular shots um, when you think think of the 18 holes? Obviously, every punter, every person at home like knows every hole on that golf course. But for a caddy, are there any shots that you're like, yeah, I need to be on my kind of metal here? Is there any particular shot golf course where I see that you think, this is the shot I need to be on? Or all of them? 12. 12? Oh, it's, it's literally like, you stood there and you're thinking you've only got you've only got a pitching wedge in, and again, it's one of them where you like smart. You said on uh, on fifteen, you check the sprinkler like five times. How many times you check it, smarty? Three, just three. Oh, just five, three. five's a bit drastic. I, I think I think I checked it a few <laughs> times. But anyway, you stood there with a pitching wedge and you give them the yardage and you pull the club and it's literally a shut your eyes moment and hopefully it's the green. <laughs> Even though it's only 140 odd yards, what, I mean, what makes a, it so? What makes it uh, so much like that? I think I think because the green, the green's so narrow and it sits at you on a on an angle. Um, obviously, sheltered by some very high trees. Um, so you obviously, I mean, round Augusta, you sort of pick the wind and you go where obviously it changes. It changes quite a lot through the trees and stuff, but you, you obviously you've got your wind stood on that team, but you're also you're looking on the eleventh on the eleventh green, which is probably thirty yards away from you, and the flag's blown in a completely different direction. So you're like, I think you've just got to go. You've just got to go with it. And as I say, just shut your eyes and hopefully it's the green. <laughs> is that something you know where you you've got to be on it on the twelfth there, um, and also the atmosphere and how special the occasion is. You've just got to really kind of look that out and just treat it almost as any other tournament in a way. I don't know. It's hard to do that, isn't it? You're at the Masters. To treat it, to treat it like any other tournament is, uh, could be a bit of an understatement. But as I say, you've just got to... You're there for a reason. The guys are, the guys are proper players who you're carrying for, otherwise they wouldn't be there. So you've just got to, you've just got to trust them. I mean, there's two years there making a decision. So... And is there any like people talk about kind of Amen Corner and the trees and the wind blowing through there? Is that something that you've got 
pay particular attention to, you know? Uh, I think it's just a funny, that's why it's called Amen Corner, because it's just a surreal couple of hot free holes where basically you feel like you've got the right club. You never, it's very difficult to say everyone's 100% got the right club. So as Ricey says, on 12, then on 13, you've got a really big hanging lie at times onto a plat the green over a stream. And it's just no way any player, it's very hard to say every player was 100% committed at every single shot. As in, because it's, it's just a, it's a crazy stretch of holes where things happen and you just think that's, people give 30 years, it's like gimme birdie hole, which I just don't come see it as a gimme birdie hole myself. But you've got to hit two great golf shots still and the telly doesn't do it justice how, how slopey that fairway is for one. Especially being a drawer of a ball and it's above your feet. It's, a, it's got a disaster waiting to happen. So what are you doing with Tommy on that hole? What are you saying to him? to kind of convince him that he's not the right club. <laughs> hey, I don't, I'm not sure you want to get this on camera. I think you maybe want to mute it for a minute. <laughs> I, I know I'm just passing to him and he hits it. <laughs> it's been working out well. He doesn't have to think about it too much. No, no, I just, basically, joking aside, our number one key normally on any tournament, especially on the toughest golf course, is just to be as precise as he possibly can. I mean, we're talking, we're talking as precise as... You can you physically can be at golf. He's not talking oh just on the edge of the green. He's talking like on branches behind greens because it's such a disastrous time around there on any hole or majors, but especially that corner where you want to just be really, really as precise as you can be and as committed as you can be. Because it's very easy to be non-committed when you're standing on funky lies and stances and the winds all over the place. It's it, it the telly doesn't do it justice. I would say that it's easy. I've watched golf my whole life and you stood there thinking. Oh come on! It's only one fifty. But then when you're on the actual bags caddying for these like world class golfers and they're basically fucking it up, <laughs> it proves how hard it is. Yeah, and uh, and smarty when you when you won there, w w going through Amen Corner, can you remember any particular shots or or did it or how how? Did yeah, you... I mean, I'll go I'll go to Amen Corner, but I think one hole that I think everyone forgets about for me is the toughest hole for a caddy for me is if I could just walk, if I could walk off the third green and walk straight to the fifth tee, I would. The fourth goes oh, so, people forget about that because it's so early on in the round and it's, it's like 220 yards. And for me, the wind does some funky stuff on there. We played with Sergio one year and Sergio was probably half a club longer at the time. Anyway, we're, we're busting this three iron to hopefully fly the bunker and chase it up to the middle of the green. Wind should be out the right, in out the right. And knowing that if we hit the bunker, we're fine. It's not the end of the world. So anyway, Dan's busted this three iron. Should really just cover the trap if it's, any, you know, if it's really good. Anyway, this thing starts off middle of the green, open to draw in on the wind. Starts moving to the right. God knows how. Starts moving to the right and flies pin eye and finishes back edge. Sergio steps up literally 30 seconds later. It's the same club, three iron, 30 yards short of the green. And, and, and that's it, the wind. And it, yeah, but you can, there's, there's no indication of where it is on that hole. It's, so, it's, it's such a tough hole. But yeah, I mean, going obviously to Amen Corn, which everyone knows about. I think, I think the problem is so many people have got so many theories on what you can do. I, I, you need a bit of luck. You need a bit of luck and you just got to, I think, just play it as it feels because, again, we've, we've played, we were playing with Sergio and Ryan Moore in the first round one year and um, 
Ryan Moore was probably half a club shorter than Dan. He stood up there to a front left flag, which is probably one of the most generous flags on that green. Anyway, he's hit this nine iron. He's pitched in the flowers at the back. Me and Dan are looking at each other thinking, well, we thought we had the right club because it feels like it's in out of the right. So now it's like, right, we're trusting. Okay, um, yeah, I guess I guess we'll hit wedge. But then we're thinking, well, we best bust this. Anyway, wedge somehow flies front edge. Sergio stands up after us. God knows what's going through his head. And he's, he's, he's hit wedge, flown it back edge. And that's all in the space of a minute and an hour. And there's just no real indication of what you should be doing or where you should be hitting it. And everyone says hit it down the bunker line. But they also don't point out that the bunker line is, is the narrowest part of the green. It's the smallest part of the green to it. But obviously you've got the bit of a bailout as you've got two bunkers to be in instead of the water. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just a tricky tricky section of the golf course and even 11 you stood on that second shot into 11 it's it's quite a big target but it's not when wind switches every 30 seconds I mean some days you'll have it where you'll go around and the wind stays in the same direction you think oh it's not that hard but it's usually when the wind picks up around there if it's a windy day it just bounces around and moves like you can't believe um, and, and you do you need to get a bit lucky you need to get a bit lucky and it didn't shot at the right time uh, I noticed you boys laughing when he when he talked about the kind of confusion of like one got, you think you've got the club and then somebody hits a shot into the flowers behind the green and then you're like right we need to kind of reevaluate maybe here right see if you is that something you've noticed or you, you obviously you, you've laughed so you obviously relate to it a little bit ah uh, I mean every as Marty said everyone everyone's different it's the wind switches that much. Um, I think you've just got to. I think you've just got to trust your instincts and just go with what you're feeling at the time. I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to stand there and say, "Oh, well, he's hit nine iron into the into the back flowers," and then you hit nine iron, you could possibly hit it in the water. Um, I think at the end of the day, you've just got to go with what you feel at the time and and just trust it. And like I said before, shut your eyes and hopefully it'll hit the green. If not, you're getting an absolute rollicking walk into the green. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Are the players that you've kind of played with that have been successful around there, or obviously we we see who's successful around there. But what what and and everyone talks on the TV about short game, about these things. Are those accurate from what you've seen, Finno, um, with players that have done well around there that you played with? Well, for me, the players who do well are the best iron players, personally. But I'm not I'm not sure what other people think, but. Obviously, we played with Tiger around there, and he wasn't nowhere near his best at the time. But you could just see that he didn't, because it's such precise second shot. It's more like you can't hit it to thirty foot because it'll slope off to fifty foot. Then you free putt, or you'll miss a green to the wrong side, short sided, and you. But it is obviously it's a it's a test of golf because it's a major. It's not. I would I would say you've got to if you look at the stats over the years, more people hitting the most greens are doing well there because it makes it a lot easier. But also you you, you just can't miss the greens in the wrong spots because it. Again, the telly doesn't do it just at the times. You could be 20 foot from the pin and just looking at each other like, what are we going to do here? This is, but well, a good point you made earlier, and I was joking, I was laughing when Smarty mentioned the 17th hole because I'm a bit of a golf. When Danny hit it over the back, he played one of the best chips maybe ever. That Smarty, would you agree? Under that pressure. Unbelievable yeah. shot. And where it was, down to that from my pin, he chipped it to how close was it? A couple of inches. Well, two feet max, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, people don't give him any credit for like people who when you watch it again 
that shot he played there for me, under that pressure to take the just chip it stone dead is nearly impossible. But I, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I walked up there. I never forget we were back, obviously back left of that green. And I'm stood there thinking, well, <laughs> over the back. Well, we're not. We're, <laughs> We're not, we're not short-sided. We've got loads of greens to work with. Oh, yeah. But it Simple. wasn't... And, and, and again, I think, you know, you talk about being under pressure. I'm just thinking, well, we've got loads of greens to work with. This isn't, this isn't the end of the world. But it's not until it creeps over that ridge and you're like, no. oh, gee. Yeah. Stay on the green. Yeah. And you start, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay, that's a bit quick, that. <laughs> and then you realise after the shot, you go... Yeah, that's actually an unbelievable shot. But, you know, you've got so many rounds where everyone will have the little boxes where you can and can't miss it. And you look over there and you think, well, okay, so that's like it's not the end of the world. But, yeah, you just you just can't appreciate, you know, how good that chip shot was under that yeah. sort of pressure. Like this. Were you holding the pin at the time? Because I, I seem to remember someone holding the hand up to say, yeah, great shot. Like when the ball was rolling down. Was that you? I can't remember. No, that was Billy. Yeah. That was his other caddy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, is there anything that's kind of unique about Augusta when you kind of arrive there as a from a caddy perspective? Um, maybe not so much on the golf course, but around the kind of grounds. Is there stuff that you kind of think of, right, righty, when you maybe first arrived, or just that you always think of as a caddy that's unique about the place? Uh, not really, no. I mean, the, the car. I mean, you can't obviously you, you can't have your phones and stuff um, at that place, so it's you don't really see you don't really see many carries with the phones out, many people with the phones out taking pictures and stuff like that. But I mean, when I first arrived there, you're obviously you don't know where anything is, and you're walking around and you see. I mean, you see the where where everything is, the car park, the clubhouse, and I mean. It's hard. It's hard to say, really, because it's we we go in the back entrance. We're not allowed in the main part, so we get we get we get sort of shifted through a little back security passage and into the into the caddy shack. Um, well, listen, they I don't know. It's just the masters in it. Augusta, you sort of just in awe of the place when the first time you go there. What's the caddy shack like, Finno? Caddy shack's good. Actually, it's one of the better ones. Yeah, I like the fact that, uh, I shouldn't really say, but a lot of players go in there, it's pretty, and there's like, so it's just a real cool place, because not many um, green jackets go in there, <laughs> basically. Well, it's you pretty, like, get banned, aren't you? No, no, they can't understand me, it was lost in translation. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite things, in the, they have a beer pump beer on tap and it's not like we get drunk every night but it's nice to have a few beers after a long day all the caddies just sit and chat together and there's food on there's players in there it's a really, really good atmosphere actually because it's the complete it's opposite of the best, best it's like the what? best location isn't it all, all ah, amazing yeah. like we all it's have our own lockers in there it's it's mega it's right on the range it couldn't be better really yeah it's a great one of the best if not the best I'd say just such a good atmosphere yeah, isn't it? yeah I agree and um, kind of looking forward, obviously the Masters won't be happening. Well, potentially we don't we don't know what's going to be what's going to be going on. Um, but looking forward, um, I guess we'll start with you. What do you do? You fancy Tommy's chances around that golf course? 
Well, normally, you mean, or in November? Both. Well, hopefully in November, but hopefully we get to play. Just, I think, if, first of all, if we can somehow get through all this shite and just get back to a bit of normality, hopefully people are going to be a lot happier. And I think sport's going to make people a bit more happier. So let's, first of all, hopefully get through the worst of this. But as a golf course, I really think it's one of Tommy's... I'd say it's one of my favourite courses for Tommy. But it, there's not many hard tee shots on there, and he's obviously a really good iron player. And he's had a couple of decent runs at a time. He just hasn't put four rounds together. And I think, as Smarty says, you do need that bit of luck at the Masters because then you get a bit of momentum. And it's all at the Masters, you can easily go, you can lose momentum very quickly from nowhere. I say the 12 holes, 150 yards, and people are making doubles and trebles. Francesco last year, cruising, going to win the Masters, pitching in the water, heartbreaking for him because he's such a good guy. And then he ends up losing the Masters, which most probably cost him the Masters. I'm saying, I'd say to, to win the Masters, you need that bit of luck. But I do really think it's one of Tommy's best course to win out of any tournament. And uh, Ricey, is it is it somewhere where you had success at times with players, or, it, or not put four rounds together, or not at all? I don't know. At the Masters, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the only success I've had, the only success I've had around that place was on the first. 2017 on the Saturday when I when we missed the we missed the cut and me you know his wife and Zara well, on the piss. we just, we just got on it. <laughs> That's the only success I've had around that place. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we staggered out of there um, and we we upset a few people by sitting on the chairs. But listen, I mean, the first year I went there, I carried for Tyrrell and. Um, he did. He was a, He was in good form going into it. He just again, it's one of them places. If you've never been there before, um, you need to be on your game. And that week we weren't quite on it, um, and we missed the cut. Um, and then a caddy for for Grillo there last year, and we obviously made the cut, but we just couldn't quite put four rounds together. And as you say, then. If you if you if you if your iron plays slightly off, it can it can get you big time without even playing that bad. So, for me, no, I've not had a lot of success around there. Not as much as as Smarty, but listen, Smarty had a full head of hair before he went there. Look at him now. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, what it does to you. Uh, well, I was gonna, I was going to actually mention that. Uh, not not Smarty's hair, but I was going to mention. <laughs> I was going to mention, they, they often talk about players that are playing their first Masters as almost, it's not happening. They're not going to win round there. Um, do you think, Smarty, for a caddy on your first time round there, you're, it's just super difficult? It's more difficult than other courses for a first timer? Or do you pick people's brains? How does it work? I, I think yes and no. I think you've got to remember it's just a golf course. It's just a golf course and he's 18 holes. And if it was any other place, that we didn't play every year, you'd go out and you'd figure it out as best you could. And you'd either get it right or you'd get it wrong. I think 100% you'd be daft not to listen to guys that have been around there God knows how many times and pick their brains and try and understand um, how, how they've approached it. But the trouble is, also, a lot of them have got different opinions on how they think certain things should be done. So then that can confuse you a little bit. I think the best thing about going there early on and, and kind of say your first time is you've no scar tissue. You know, you've not 
you've not stuck you get you know your man up in the flowers on uh, twelve, for example, and you you don't know how you've done it. Um, you've you've not had some of that bad stuff happen that can kind of force you into I don't know uncommitted decisions or whatever it, you you want to call it. So I think yes and no. I mean, yeah, learn from the guys who've been there and, and try and pick the brains. But you've also you've just got to make your own mind up. You've got to decide between you and your player, right? This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to approach it. But um, I think I think there's benefits to both. I mean, obviously, being around a golf course, it's like your home golf course. You know it inside out. Um, but obviously, being the masters and stuff, um, yeah, it's there's just a lot more pressure and and, and the way the wind is and and stuff. But I, Still, if I was to go there tomorrow in Caddy, the only rule I'd have is I'd just play the wind how it feels and, and you know that you're going to have to pull off some shots and, and, and kind of change your mind because the wind does, you know, the wind can switch three or four times in a hole. Yeah. So that, that's the only advice I'd give. And then you, you just go and make your own plan. I know, uh, you know, I've spoken about it with Rice and Finno before. You just got. To, if you turn up at a golf club, you'd both go and make your own plan for how you get around that course, and that's that's all I'd say. Yeah, and Finno, is it? Is it? You mentioned you mentioned uh, Billy Foster slagging off the walking up the first and saying it was <laughs> walking down the first. But is there anyone uh, or any specific tip one of the other caddies maybe gave you before you went out there that you kind of kept, or have you done anything yourself? Or what? Um. To be fair, I had a good chat with Smarty. It didn't work very well. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Smarty, to be fair, we and Smarty have chatted a lot about it over the last three years. And he has, what he's saying, I, I, I always went with what Smarty said there, where he's got to play the wind and then tr- trust what you feel. Because there's so, many, so much advice. And as Smarty's made a good point, he went to a US Open and it was completely brutal. You wouldn't be asking, because everyone has different players and different fields and different shots. You wouldn't be telling them. Uh, people, you, no one could go and tell Tommy how to play Port Rush unless he knew his game. Or no one could tell people how to play in Men Corner unless they played it. And a lot of players have played it. And they've got to make a lot of decisions themselves at this point because it's how they feel in these really difficult golf shots. But the course of generally, as I say, joking aside, Smarty gave me some good advice. Because in 2018, I think, was it? Or whatever, second year, Tommy had a good little run in, over the Friday, Saturday. And there was... I remember thinking we just, one of the main things was let's just stick to what we feel. And it takes a lot of, worst case, it takes a lot of doubt out of the player's mind. Because it's easy saying, oh, where is it? And go, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you might as well play what you feel. Because if any less doubt you've got in the mind on these really difficult golf shots, the better for me. Fantastic. Yeah, and I think also, also I think players that do well, like, you know, early on, I'm just, I don't know if Rice and Finn will agree. It's a golf course, if it fits your eye, you can get going and you look at the there's there's a lot of players that turn up there and you might not have seen them for a couple of months before and, and doing that well but they turn up there and he just fits their eye and they seem to do well i mean look at fred couples and there's so many guys that just that course just suits their eye and they've just got a way of playing it and i think you know look at jordan speed you know he's just he you know he just turned up there and loved it straight away uh, and I think that's that's half the battle. Yeah, good point there. Angel Cabrera is another one I watched recently. Yeah. This guy won it and lost two playoffs. And he's, and he's obviously was a world-class golfer, but that course, if you shoot their eyes, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. 
And Ricey, from a kind of just to follow up, just to hear from you all uh, on the on picking Caddy's brains. On did uh, did you particularly do that, or would you just agree with the other two boys? Or no, I think again, I spoke with uh, what year did you win it, Marty? Sixteen. Yeah. I think obviously me and Marty quite close. We spoke we spoke quite a lot after he won the Masters, uh, and then my first year was seventeen. So again. I got. I spoke to Smarty quite a lot about it during that year. Um, I think when you get there, a lot of a lot of these guys um, sit down with all like the local caddies and they discuss because obviously they're the, they're the day in day out and they get a lot of information from them guys. And and as Finno said, I think you can sort of over you can get too much information going in for it. And it's sort of like when I first got there in in seventeen. Uh, you're almost thinking about all your misses rather than right. Let's just go out there and and hit it where where you want where you would normally hit it in a normal tournament. So I think I think getting advice is great. And listen, these guys have been there for years, like to Billy Foster and all them guys. It's great to get advice from, but I think you can get too much information and you go out there and you, you're almost you're almost shit yourself because you don't want to you don't want to miss it in the wrong spot rather than being like a bit more confident and. And hitting the shots that you normally hit in a normal tournament. So yeah, I just mean, I just went out there with Finno. We done some good work just before the the event. And again, like Smarty said, it's just, it's eighteen holes. It's the same as any other golf course. Do you know what I mean? You you sort of get your plan and and you go with it and it's and take it from there really. But yeah, Smarty gives we me and Smarty smoke quite a lot and yeah, we just. Went out and stuck to the plan. It didn't work, but maybe maybe <laughs> next time we should stay down with the local caddies and get some more info. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to dig you out. But are there any shots do you remember where you've got something wrong and you're like, "Oh my god, what have I done there?" Uh, I don't know why, but I'll go in in no particular order. We'll start with Finno. Um, are we talking at the Masters or anywhere? At the Masters, yeah. Um, it's not going to be that bad, but... No, not really. I've been pretty lucky, Touchwood. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't top my head. I just, not really, no. Takes a lot to wind Tommy up. <laughs> to say that was wrong, he blames himself. He's just like, I miss it. He's like, ain't that too good? The Masters, I can't really... I have had one or two before, but not at the Masters. Yeah. Is it not? Not. I. I just think Caddy's not just. You. You just don't like admitting your mistakes, basically. So no, no. I, can, I. I have plenty of mistakes, but just not there. Yeah. Can't think of touching my head. Yeah, you, you, your heads are down. It doesn't sound like you want to uh, talk about any mistakes you've made at the Masters. <laughs> no, yeah, well, the, in, the, the, in, the interview's only an hour long, and you'd have you'd have about you need a three hour three hour interview for for mine. I've I've got one, but it seems to be on the same hole, and I'm starting to rethink if I'm doing it right. It's on on 17 again. <laughs> that back right flag. So you know, Finno and Rice agree. Like you do, you've got to write down where you can and can't miss it. There's some flags you can go at, and some yeah, flags you can't. And back Long's right on seven, <laughs> back right on 17. Easy chip, isn't it? Oh, there's one place you don't go. You can oh, go no. long, long left, but. Well, no, you can't even go long at all. To a back right flag, you cannot go long. I remember you talk about a wind switch, and that's oh. what I am going to put it down to. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were stood in the middle of fairway to a back right flag. We're looking at pitching it 
15 short the flag. Anyway, Dan did it straight down it. And it's pitched three yards past the flag and trickled over. And you can have a, you know, if I showed you my yardage book, there's, there's some big red crosses longer that green. <laughs> and uh, even Dan, in fairness to Dan, he turned around and said, he says, there's absolutely nothing we can do about that. And it was just a complete wind switch, but you just can't go there. You just cannot go there. It was a good bogey in the end. But, um, yeah, I'm, I might need to reconsider our playing 17. <laughs> You've done all right so far. Yeah. 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 Um, we'll kind of finish off. Um, like, just as a someone watching, I think got, all golfers and caddies would be the same. It's just like just a week, and it's a shame that we don't have that this week. But um, I'll end with Smarty, because I think yours might be obvious. But have you got, like, a moment where you've been at Augusta where you go, where you just remember and you think, oh, this is fantastic, just being here or a particular moment. Um, we'll start with Ricey on this one. Go on. I think the moment for me was last year. We were pl- on the Sunday. We, obviously, we were playing a U-draw. So we were, we were second to last out on the back nine. And we were playing with Zach Johnson and Billy Horschel. And obviously, listen, they say no phones around that golf course. Them boys were checking the phone because obviously the roars around that golf course was outrageous uh, for Tiger. Um, and I remember we were stood on the, we were stood on the, on the, what was it? The ninth, the ninth green. And Tiger was obviously, we were a little bit behind. Uh, Tiger was obviously on the 18th green. I mean, the roar, the roar when we walked off that green for coming from the 18th was, I mean, it was, it gave me, it gave me goosebumps. It was, it was unbelievable. Uh, that was for me. Obviously, I've only been there, I've only been there twice. Not really had much success around there, but that, that, that moment will, I'll remember that forever. Do you know what I mean, like the, you, I can't even describe in words how loud. The, the noise, the cheer was. It was it was outrageous. And um, one special, well, nothing special, I wouldn't say, but Tommy made it on the 2018 on the Saturday. I remember obviously moving day, we call it, and there was roars here, roars there. There was, there was a little bit of rain in the air. It was, it was a bit of a strange day, the weather. But I remember Tommy, and he was. Maybe got to, he got to about two off the lead, and he birdied 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And when he birdied 16, the roar, I was like, well, the hell's going to win the Masters here. <laughs> he got to like one off the lead on the Saturday. I know you shouldn't think that, but I would never think that ever in a normal tournament. But the atmosphere was unbelievable. It was, you could see people like literally, what I would say about the Masters, the golf fans, people were literally cheering them on. They were, there was no one. Not one person that you could say was like wishing bad on him or shouting bollocks to him, or you know what I mean. And just get, but it was literally he had this run, but there was roars everywhere. I remember Patrick Reed chipped in on 15 for Eagle, and we were on six, and it was it was pretty special actually. And you forget about it until you just brought it up. I was thinking that back then he had some running. I remember that was on a Saturday as well. God knows what it was like for Smarty on a Sunday when they, they when they won it because it must have been just like well, it must be one of the best things ever. Was it, Marty? <laughs> yeah, well, that leads us on nicely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for me, for me, my moment was um, 
I think um, walking down ten on Sunday um, was the the in sixteen, obviously with Dan and just being in contention on Sunday uh, at the Masters. It, you, you know, anyone who's played golf to any level and watches it and follows it, that is the best thing uh, you can ever experience. Now, don't get me wrong, if you win, you win, but just even being in contention and, and feeling that pressure and, and like Finno says, the crowds and everyone getting behind you. But walking downtown, we had a little chat and we just had a little laugh to ourselves and like, right, we're in contention for the Masters on a Sunday. It, for me, golf, yeah, I don't know how golf gets better than that. Talk to me, Joey. Just get up a yard. Great job. Okay. All right.